Say this. This is my Bible. Though there are many in the world, this one is mine. I can be what it says I could be. I can do what it says I could do. I can have what it says I could have. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Because I am a diligent seeker of God. My life will be better. Because I have heard the word of faith. Do you believe that? I believe that. Let's make our lives better by hearing the word of God. Uh, Matthew's gospel chapter 20 and verse uh, 25 is where we like to begin. And uh, then we'll jump into our notes and then this scripture will come up again in in our reference. Um, When we look at the synoptic gospels, uh, we discover uh, the ministry, the man, and the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. The synoptic gospels seem to view uh, Jesus in the same light. John takes off in a different direction in his Gospels, his epistle, and in the book of the Revelation. Matthew, in particular, wants to show the man, the ministry, and the message of Jesus Christ as the Jewish Messiah. He was the one that was to come to liberate them. He was the anointed one of God. Matthew looks at Jesus. He looks at him fulfilling the Old Testament prophets, which is important, that we are connected to a prophetic stream that starts back in Genesis chapter 3, or in Genesis 1 and 2, the perfect chapters in our Bible before sin, and then Genesis chapter 3 about a coming redeemer. Most of us understand that after Genesis chapter 3, when one man listens to the wrong voice, we came into all the chaos that we're in. You have to watch and monitor and discern the voices that you listen to. Because one man, one day, listening to the wrong voice, brought us into all the chaos and the corruption that we're in in the earth right now. One man listening to the wrong voice. So monitor and discern the voices that you're listening to. Because after Genesis chapter 3, everything else in the Bible until the end of the book of the Revelation is recovery from one man listening to the wrong voice one day. And the voices that we listen to determine our destiny. So make sure that we're listening to the right voice. The voice was heard in Genesis chapter 3 during the time of recovery. I'm going to send a redeemer. He's going to, there's going to be enmity between a woman and her seed and the seed of the serpent. Jesus is, comes and fulfills all that the prophets have spoken of. Josh McDowell in his wonderful book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict does all of the messianic scriptures and shows how Jesus fulfilled those messianic scriptures. He also does some probabilities in those uh, in those uh, in those studies, and I think it comes out the ten to the one hundred and fiftieth power uh, it would take for Jesus to fulfill all of those messianic prophecies. And he said it would be like a man, uh, you know, uh, filling the state of Texas with uh, silver dollars, four inches deep, put an X on one of them, stick them in a the pile somewhere, blindfold a man, send him around the state of Texas, and say. 
But the probability of you just picking up one of those coins and it being the one with the X on it, that's a probability that there would be for Jesus to fulfill all prophecy. Prophecy is one of the things that makes our Bible reliable. It's bibliographical makeup and the meticulous writing down and copying of the scriptures by the uh, Masoretic order and by the scribes. Uh, Prophecy is another one that makes the Bible reliable. Antiquity makes the Bible reliable. People said that the Bible's not true, and then all of a sudden they do a dig in Egypt or in Syria or in uh, Israel, and they find out that the thing that somebody said wasn't true is right there in the ground, confirming that the Bible's true. So it's biblical makeup, its uniqueness in terms of prophecy, uh, antiquity, and then also archives, just church history. People like Josephus, uh, who were not even a Christian, just a Jewish historian, confirm about the Nazarene that was buried and crucified like Pontius Pilate and rose on the third day. Matthew is fascinating when we read it because it yokes us together with the Old Testament scripture. At the end of Jesus' ministry, it's fascinating to me, Jesus has drawn 12 men around him. He's poured into their lives for about three and a half years. And at the end of his ministry, these guys get in a huddle and start talking to each other. And it's interesting, out of all the miracles that they have seen and that he has done, what they're talking about. They're sitting around talking about who's going to be the greatest. After everything that they've seen Jesus do, when they get in their huddle, they're talking about who's going to be the greatest. Two of the brothers get their mother involved. Mom, can you go ask Jesus when he comes into his kingdom, can one of us sit on his right hand and one sit on his left hand? Listen, when you're a man and you get your mother involved in your business, look at your neighbor and say, you're not much of a man, okay? (laughs) And then these guys get mad at those guys, not only for asking a question, but also for getting their mother involved. Matthew 20, 25 said all that to come to the text. Jesus then says to them, he called them to himself and said, 20, 25, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. They lord over the fact that they are rulers. And those who are great exercise authority Over them, greatness at that time was defined as how much authority you had over people. Yet it shall not be so among you. Whosoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as a son of man, he uses himself as an example, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as, to give his life a ransom for many. Now, friends, when we look at this text, Jesus comes up on them and he knows the current status of what we call greatness. And in that day, greatness was determined by the amount of people that 
served you. Martin Luther King said one time in one of his writings, he said, listen, in our kingdom, everybody can be great because everybody can be a servant. You see, in the world, you're great if a lot of people are serving you. But in our kingdom, you're great if you serve a lot of people. Jesus, notice, does not rebuke them for their desire to be great. He just said the model of greatness in our kingdom is different. Because greatness is important. Every year, I pray and ask the Lord, what's next? And when I prayed this year and asked the Lord, what's next? One of the things he said is that there's still more. I started preaching in 1973 before some of you were born and when some of you were young men in this room. So I've been preaching for about 44 years, been pastoring the church for about 35 years come in May. So this is not my first rodeo, if you will. And it's not my first time around the track. And yet at the same time, it's very easy to get settled into a mediocre flow where everything is good, but we never have moved to greatness. Collins wrote a book several years ago called Good to Great. His first book was called Built to Last. He looked at corporations that had endured inflation, recession, wars, ups and downs in economy and global strife. And they had lasted throughout all of those different, both geographical, geopolitical, wartime and economic cycles. He then wrote a book called Good to Great. And how has he seen companies go from being good companies to great companies? And he gave some markers for that. And I believe that the Spirit of God wanted me to stir the men of God here this weekend that what you and I have done so far on our watch has been good, but God wants us to think about greatness. And what does it take to go from good to great? And friends, your greatness, and I'm starting in on our notes now, will be impacted by the people that you impact, influence, and invest in. That's how we measure greatness in our kingdom. The people that we impact, that we influence, and that we invest in. That's the way your greatness will be measured. Jesus is a great leader because Jesus lived on the earth almost 30 plus years, took three and a half years, and invested his life in some men. After his investment in that life, he then gave them a charge and a global commission that would last them for a lifetime. One, go into the world in Mark. Two, go to the nations in Matthew. And then he left. Left the earth with these 11 men. They appoint another, Matthias. Paul comes on board, another apostles. And these men go out and change the world. Malcolm Gladwell in his book, Outliers. Malcolm Gladwell in his book, Outliers, talks about how men move into greatness. And what he does is he looks at people that are top athletes. He looks at people that are top, uh, that were top in their field of expertise. And Gladwell, in his books, comes up with what he calls the 50,000-hour rule. 50,000-hour rule. And he said, if any human being spends 50,000 hours concentrating on one subject matter, they will become an expert. They will become an outlier. He goes on to say, that these outliers are there because of proper coaching many times, proper information, and people that have pushed him, 50,000-hour rule. Then he backs up from that in an article, and he says, Jesus' men were not outliers and experts. He said because they walked with him about 
He said, uh, uh, every day for about three and a half years, and they probably were together 18 hours a day. He estimates that they might have been spending 80 to 150 hours, depending on how you measure the Sabbath days with Jesus Christ. He said they doubled the 50,000 hour rule. He said that's why they just weren't outliers and experts. They were world changers. Because they spent time with the son of God. When I've spent time with you, Ben, over the years, I've said, I can tell where you're going to be in the next five years by the people you associate with, the books you read, and your time spent in the presence of God. All of us are going to have the time. But just like if we were in prison, it's not doing the time, it's using the time. Because you can do the time, but do you really want to use the time? And great leaders are people that really make an impact like Jesus did and an influence and an investment in other people. He took common folks and made them world changers. Men that after he announced that he was leaving them were afraid to even come out. They were hiding inside of walls. And yet he appeared before them and recommissioned them. Your greatness will be measured by the people that you impact, that you influence, and that you and I, by the people that we invest in. My question is, Who are you and I as men impacting? Who are we influencing? And who are we investing in right now? I believe that every man ought to have somebody that you have targeted. I'm going to impact that man's life. Somebody that we have that we targeted that says, I'm going to influence that man's life. And somebody that said, I'm going to target that. I'm going to make an investment in their life. You don't have to be old to do that. You could be young. I was an assistant Boy Scout leader at age 18. By age 24, was a Boy Scout leader with 24 boys. I made a determination I was going to impact, influence, and impact those young men's lives. And now some of those men are leaders in our city, leaders in business, leaders in our congregation. And they come back and they said, that's because Reverend Scales impacted our life. You don't have to be old to make an impact, but, that, but we do have to be strategic. Who is it that God has called us to impact, influence, and invest in? You see, Dr. Edward Lewis Cole said, fame comes in a moment. Greatness comes over time. But legends come with a lifetime of achievement. And friends, you and I, we can determine to be famous. And all you got to do to be famous, you can do something positive or negative and become famous. But that just comes in a moment. Greatness comes over time as you and I make impact and influence and investment in people like Jesus did with these men that were sitting around talking about who was going to be the greatness. Somehow they heard it is teaching that somebody's going to be great out of this group. But that comes over time. But listen, legends come with a lifetime of achievement. Great people help other people see their greatness. And friends, everybody that we meet, we meet them in seed form. Our goal is to sow water and irrigate and cultivate them. That first it's the blade, then it's the stalk, then it's the ear, and then it's time to thrust in the sickle and reap the harvest. Now listen to me. Many of us don't make investments because the growth cycle is too slow. But great people help others achieve greatness. But what I've learned to do is many times we wait and we want to praise God when the harvest comes in. But what I've learned to do is praise God for the blade. Praise him for the stalk. Praise him for the leaves. Praise him for the ear. And then give him a great praise when the harvest comes in. Don't hold back your praise because you haven't seen greatness in those that you're ministering to now. If I see a blade come up, I know there's some life there, right? 
If I see a stalk come up, then I know, okay, it's growing. If I see some leaf and an ear come out, then I know that it's moving in the right direction. But man, when it's harvest time, that's the time to thrust in the sickle and reap. But I can't wait until the harvest to send forth my praise. Because great people, they help others achieve greatness. See, great people serve their generation and they serve, listen, the next generation, fill that in. Because I always need to be looking down the road. And after I pass off the scene, who's going to be around me? Greatness. Who's going to be next? And I always have to say next. You know, when you play basketball, you play football, somebody gets injured, it's always the next man. And there are some teams that are better at next man theory than other teams. But the next man up, next man up, next man up. And if the next man can come in and just either maintain the lead or advance the lead, then that's a great team. And friends, you and I need to invest in this next generation. Everybody between 18 and, and uh, 35 in this room, stand up. 18, 35, stand up. Anybody 18 to 35, stand up. Anybody below 18, stand up. I'll join them. Anybody below 18, stand up. You guys remain standing. Okay, 35 to 18, that's the millennium generation. Anybody below that is just the undefined generation. They haven't put a name on that generation yet. Now listen, listen. This group right here standing is the largest group, the millennial generation, on the earth right now. 18 to 35 is the largest age group. Baby boomers are right above them. Or I'm sorry, bridgers are right above them, then boomers. Bridgers are people that bridge the gap over the century. And then you have baby boomers. Those are World War II babies, okay? Then you had the builder generation, okay? And that was, uh, that was uh, the original generation that went to war, came back, had all these baby boomers. Well, the baby boomers and the bridger generation, or, or I'm sorry, the builder generation are dying off. This group is the largest group in the earth. I'm not talking about just in the United States, in the earth. When I went to South Africa, this group right here was the dominant group in South Africa. I saw old gray-headed men that were like 60 and above, and then I saw 35 and below. I said, what happened to that middle, gen- middle generation? They said HIV, AIDS, took them out. Because when the AIDS virus hit the African continent, many times there were not the medications that we had now, not the treatments, and not even the preventative meth- methods that we have here. So when AIDS hit Africa, a whole generation of men and women were wiped out. So I saw very young people and very old gray-headed people when I went to South Africa. And I asked Pastor Nazo, who's 44, he said, I'm one of the weird ones. He said, and part of the generation got wiped out because a rumor got sent on the African continent that if you had AIDS as a man, you could have sex with a woman that was a virgin. And when our hymen was penetrated and her blood ran over his part, it would cure your AIDS. Happened in Uganda. And it spread all the way down the west, east coast of Africa, all the way to South Africa. So it wiped out a whole generation. This generation that's standing is the generation that needs to be not our competition, but our target. Because it will be the generation that replaces us. Now, there's a lot of people that are hostile towards the church. My question to them is, what are you going to give people in this place? Because if you tear down the church and you tear down the kingdom... What are you going to put in his place? So if any of us don't have somebody that we are pouring into among this group, then you and I are not making a proper generation, uh, generational investment. And how do you go from good to great? Do you recognize that Jesus is only 30 something? Peter was probably the oldest apostle 
a little bit older than Jesus. All the rest of them were teenagers. Forget those gray-headed old pictures with these bearded men that follow Jesus. That's good Hollywood, but it's probably not true. When somebody followed a the rabbi, they were probably a teenager. And these old teenagers went out and changed the world. But that's because they were with someone that poured into their life. I'm writing a course right now in John called Man Cave. And I'm looking at David, how he took all these guys that were in debt and discontent and discouraged and brought them into a cave. And when he brought them out, after a few years, they were giant killers. I'm calling it Man Cave because I want to know what happened in the cave. And friends, these young men, no matter what you look at and what you see, God is saying they are a target for this generation. And so, man, first of all, I want to commend you that are standing for being here. Then I'm going to ask you, I want to commend you, then I want to ask you, receive from these OGs in here, okay? OGs are old guys, okay? So, So receive from these OGs. And then secondly, I want you to go out and change the world that you live in. I'm going to give you a big, hairy, audacious goal, as Collins describes it in Good the Great. I want to give you not just a hairy, audacious goal. That's the way he describes it, a holy, audacious goal. I want you to be world changers and go out there and change the world we live in. Why don't you give these young men another clap, and y'all can sit down now. Okay, good. You see, great people help others see their greatness and great people help others to achieve their greatness. Great people serve this generation and they serve the next generation. Great people leave a legacy and great people leave a good name. That's one of the things that we leave to this generation. We leave resource. And that means that uh, I think it's Proverbs. uh, I believe it's uh, Proverbs 19, uh, 14, 19, 14. I think it says houses and land and riches are the inheritance of the father. And friends, I believe that there is something uh, valuable in leaving an inheritance to our sons and to our daughters so that we don't leave them broke, busted and disgusted. Okay, thank you for your overwhelming amens. Okay, I believe that we ought to leave something to them. Even some wealthy people say that they don't believe that they ought to leave a lot of wealth to their children. People like Bill Gates said he wanted to see how much money he could give away. No, I think it was Warren Buffett that said he wanted to see how much money he could give away by the time he died. But he, you also need to know he has also funded the next generation. But he also wants to see, and it's a noble goal to see, just how much money can a man possibly give away? Wouldn't that be a good goal? Okay, thank you all for overwhelming uh, appreciation of that one also, okay? And so I really believe that God wants to do something great inside of us as men And I believe part of the greatness that he wants to do inside of us is to make sure that we leave some resource to the next generation. Yeah, Proverbs 19 and verse 14 just simply says, houses and riches are the inheritance of the father. But but wise and understanding and a prudent wife is from the Lord. So the Lord gives the fathers a wife and the fathers give their children Riches and houses and inheritance lands. And then the Lord gives you a wife because he knows you need help. That's why she's called a help me. 
And so reach resource we leave them. Listen, a code of conduct is what we need to leave to this next generation. And that is a course of action, how I should act and how I should behave. And then also a living faith. So great people leave a good name, resource, fill that in, a code of conduct, fill that in, and also a living faith. Now, I believe that when the Lord said that there's more move towards greatness this year, I believe that the Lord wants us to fill this in point number one, pursue greatness. I believe that an attitude of greatness helps us to impact cities and nations. And when I pursue greatness, that means I start having a vision that's larger than myself. See, not only is God a personal God, that's very Western. But see, if you and I look at the Eastern thought and the Middle Eastern thought uh, or the Mediterranean thought, the Bible is a communal Bible. It speaks to the community, not just to the person. In the Western mind, the promises are for me. But in the Middle Eastern mind or in the Eastern mind, let me not say Middle Eastern, Eastern mind, the Bible is communal. I believe it's important for us to understand the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6. God has spoken up until Deuteronomy chapter 6 to individuals. He spoke to Adam. He spoke to Noah. He speaks to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He speaks to Moses. But when Moses brings them out of Egypt, God says, now I want to speak to the community. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And friends, I believe that many of us have heard the personal voice of God, but have you heard the communal voice of God? And great people are think of a vision greater than themselves. Community, the communion of the saints, the unity of the saints is what God is interested to. And if you and I want to move from good to great and we want to do more, we have to start thinking community and cities and nations as opposed to just thinking about myself. Great leaders have to impact and embrace a world bigger than themselves. So the attitude of greatness helps us impact cities and nations. I love traveling to nations because when I travel to nations and meet some of my global Christian leader brothers, most of them never talk about, this is what I want the Lord to do for me. Neither do they talk about, this is what I want the Lord to do for my family. You know what they talk about? This is what I want God to do in our city and in our nation. When was the last time you had some city talk? And some national talk. Because to move from good to great, I cannot just think about myself or my family. But I must think about my nation and my city. Every time I come in and I fly into, we usually fly into Providence Airport. I always like walking down the concourse because it lets me know who the new mayor in Providence is. And I always put my hand on that picture and say, Lord, don't let this one go to jail. Okay. <laughs> I've been here enough, man. (laughs) You'll take that one? Okay. And I do, man. I do it now. Because I think about the cities that God lets me influence. I remember Brother Lewis one time. I I think we used to take Mondays when when he was in better health, and we used to, he was, used to drive me through all, all the inner sanctum of Providence and tell me all, all of the clean laundry and the dirty laundry. And I said, this city needs prayer. And he said, and pastor, I'm praying for this city. And I believe that every city that God has caused us to come into, we ought to pray for the peace of that city. Even God told Israel when they went into captivity, he said, listen, every place that you are carried into in your captivity 
He said that I'm going to journey you into. He said, pray for the peace of that city. He said, because in its peace will be your own welfare. Great leaders have to think and embrace a world beyond themselves. I know that Jesus is my personal savior, but he's also the Lord of the nations. And friends, he is the king of kings. So he rules the rulers. And for me to begin to move to an attitude of greatness, I must move beyond just my personal savior to the fact that he wants to impact cities and nations. You see, you are created in the image of God. And Psalm 48, one says, God is great. Psalm 48, one. And Psalm 48, one says, God is great and greatly to be praised. So if I'm created in the image of God, there's seeds of greatness inside of me because I'm created in his greatness and in his image. Part of the image of God is that he's great, he's love, he's merciful, he's good. And so there must be some good, some love, some mercy, and some greatness inside of me. Friends, see, the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but a life that fails to fulfill its purpose and its potential. And God has put a seed of greatness inside of us men. He's put a seed of greatness, and he wants the earth to know that we were here before we leave here. See, the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but it's a life that fails to fulfill purpose and potential. See, live fully so you can die effectively. You and I cannot die effectively unless you live fully. And at the end of Paul's life, and then interesting in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, my life has been poured out like a drink offering. In other words, when Paul was getting ready to die and he said, the time of my departure at hand, he turned the glass all the way up and said, there ain't nothing left to pour out. You have to live fully so that you can die effectively. And the only way we can die effectively is to pour it all out. You see, we must take responsibility for our ability, and that is what God has invested inside of us. And well done is much better than well uh, said. Talk is cheap. I'm telling you, do something great. Do something great to impact your sons and your daughters. Do something great to impact your grandchildren. Do something great to impact nieces and nephews. Do something great to impact children and the seed that is in the community. Do something great to impact someone who may be a single mom or single dad's kids. Do something great to impact the nation. Do something great because God is great. We're created in his image, so there's seeds of greatness inside of us. Let me talk about what's inside of us for a moment. Because I'm talking about moving into greatness. See, tapping into your potential is a sure way to greatness. Tapping into your potential. I like this statement here that Miles Moreau said, your potential is the large unknown bank of reservoir you were given at birth. Miles Moreau. And he talks about your potential. Other authors, and they're varied, has said things like this. Your potential is your untapped ability. Your potential is your unused strength. Your potential is your unused success. Listen, your potential must be used or it will be aborted. Think about the parable of the talents where Jesus gives somebody five, somebody two, somebody one. And all of those talents, those great amount of monies that they receive was enough to reproduce after them kind. The men that had five and the men that had two, 
they went out and they used it and they found the hidden potential in that treasure and they found that it had multiplication and duplication and fruitfulness in it. But the one man buried all of that potential, gave back to the Lord the potential that he had been given and he aborted his responsibility as a steward because he didn't use what he had. God has put something inside of you. And God wants you to explore the ways of the spirit and explore all that he's placed inside. Listen, your potential must be used or it will be aborted. God took from the man that had done nothing and gave it to the men that had done a whole lot of things. And every time I read any of those parables of stewardship or talents or, 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 or occupation where God gives somebody, ten, each guy 10 pounds, and another time he gives people multiple uh, talents. Listen, I have discovered that every time someone is non-productive, God takes from the non-productive and gives to the more productive. Now, I don't like that. It makes God sound like a Republican, but <laughs> nonetheless, in our kingdom, he seems to want to increase and bless productivity. Okay, thank you for your overwhelming <laughs> enthusiasm. But just op- observation, most folks, I know that we have a biblical mandate to look out for the least of these. But the way God thinks in his kingdom is that reward comes to people that are also productive. And friends, productivity is part of what's been built inside of you. God said, when you were born, be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth, fill it up to its full potential. Find the hidden treasures in the earth and fill it up to its maximum potential. Subdue it. If anything rises up against the will, plan, and purpose of God, crush it. And then have dominion over, rule over the thing you just crushed. The original mandate of God for mankind was to be fruitful and multiply. Being fruitful is one of the things that men find easy. I know some guys in Columbus, Ohio, who single-handedly tried to repopulate the earth. (laughs) You got some around here, too? (laughs) And friends, that one hasn't had to be repeated much in the Bible. But friends, then multiplying, increasing after your kind, Uh uh-huh, replenishing it or finding hidden potential and then maximizing it to its fullest potential. Man, if anything rises up against the will and purpose of God, crush it and then rule over the thing that you just crushed or the other parts of the mandate that needs to be fulfilled. And all of that is inside of us and God wants us to be effective and efficient and productive. And being effective means I do the right thing. Being efficient means I do things right. And being productive means I increase as I go. Efficient, effective, and productive is what we use in the marketplace, and it's also what we use in the kingdom. Everyone ought to seek to be efficient, do the right thing. Effective, do things right. And then be productive, increase. And so... Listen, uh, your potential is the release of your power and your unused ability. Now, the release of your greatness depends, uh, demands you to refuse to be satisfied with your latest accomplishments. One of the greatest enemies to greatness is the past achievement that was just accomplished. I graduate from high school. And I say, I graduated, then I stopped reading books, stopped learning, 
stop going to class because of my previous achievement. Do you know that the word when you graduate is called commencement, not finished? And if one of the old English concepts of commencement is the beginning of a journey, we commence to do something. It's not a finish line. And friends, I think it's important that one of the greatest enemies that we can find is an enemy called satisfaction with our latest accomplishments. Satisfaction with success kills potential because you and I, we must, we must bring other things to the table. I was asked in a, in a, in a, in a, in a meeting that I went to as a bunch of kingdom representatives. They said, before we begin this meeting, we want to know who's at the table. So please stand. And then they said, and announce your name and who you represent. I said, I'm Lafayette Scales from Raymond Christian Center, Northeast Columbus, Ohio. Everybody else did about the same. Then he went back and said, a second battery of questions. Tell us what you bring to the kingdom. Because this is a kingdom gathering. We want to know what you bring to the kingdom. That everybody was telling various gifts and talents and degrees and the expertise that they gave. And when I stood up, I said, I bring all that's within me. I am fully engaged. That's what I bring to the kingdom. I bring all that's within me. I put it in your notes. Bring everything within you and be fully engaged. When you and I enter into a task, bring everything. Bring your elementary education, your middle school education, your high school education, your undergraduate education. Bring your life experience. Bring your graduate education. Bring all that's within you. Be fully engaged. Under that second point also, maximizing your potential leads to greatness. Bring all that's within you. Be fully engaged. Friends, when you and I are fully engaged, that means you might have to turn off your cell phone. It means you may have to shut down your iPad. Stay fully engaged in every meeting that you're in. Don't blink in and blink out. I know that attention span is only one minute per year. The man's 12 years old. He's got 12 minutes attention span. Then his mind's going to wander. Then he's going to come back. If you're 30 years old, you got 30 minutes attention span. Then you're going to wander. You're going to come back. I remember years ago, uh, Pastor John, where we used to send in seminars that were two and three hours long. Most folks in there were not 120 years old. So, so during the time, somebody's mind was going to wander. That's why I cut back my preaching. I used to preach an hour, 15 minutes, an hour and a half. If y'all ever had Mary Ann Brown here, uh, you, know, you know, the word is eternal, but it doesn't have to be everlasting, you know? <laughs> and I found out that I was doing a whole lot of preaching that wasn't going anywhere. Because the average age of our church was about 44 years old. So I found out a good 45-minute sermon, uh, uh, you know, tell people to put their tray tables in their seats in their upright and locked position, fasten their seat big, throw away their large uh, uh, computers, and take off. I found out I had about 30 minutes to fly. And then by then I need to say, now put your tray tables and seat belts in the upright and locked position because we're getting ready to come into a landing. And I mean, you can't have much circling either, my first closing. And then my second closing. And then my third closing. And now my final closing. Friends, you and I need to maximize our potential, and that leads to greatness, so we need to be fully engaged. See, no matter where I am, there I am. I bring all that's within me. I'm fully engaged. That's Lafayette Scales. 
And friends, I understand that God wants me to bring everything that's within me every place I go. My model for leadership is the Lord Jesus Christ. At every place he went, he brought everything that was in him. And we found out as he begins to deal with people that he had different amounts of dunamis and different amounts of grace in his life, different times when he went somewhere. I call to your consideration when we begin this message, Matthew 20, 25. I have it again in your notes, but Jesus called them unto himself. And he says, you know that the princes of the Gentiles, they exercise dominion over them. And they that are great, they have authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. Whoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whoever will be your chief among you, let him be your servant. That's King James Version. New King James Version says about the same thing, but Jesus called them unto himself and he says, and he knew that the rulers of the Gentiles, they lord authority over those, but those that are great among you exercise authority. But it shall not be the same among you. But whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. That word servant and slave are two different Greek words. The one is the word diakonos. It's an errand runner. Someone that hears a message and then they run an errand. It also speaks of a word table waiter. And it speaks of one that sees a bunch of hungry people that want something to eat. He goes and a chef gives him a meal and then he serves the meal to the people. If you want to be great, become a table waiter. Serve people with knowledge and with food. And man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Whoever would be first among you, let him become a slave. And that word slave is the word dunamis, which is the word bond slave. It's actually the word of love slave. I serve not because of fame or fortune or finance. I serve because I'm fascinated with my master. Because I'm fascinated with my master, I serve. And if I want to be great, it's not by the amount of people that serve me, but the amount of people we serve. In certain communities, there's a lot of uh, protocol where people are carrying a lot of people around to serve them. I invite a guy to my church and and uh, he brought about 20 people, tried to get them all in my office. You know, somebody was his driver. Somebody else carried his briefcase. Somebody else carried his Bible. Somebody else, you know, was his armor bearer. Somebody else. Yeah, I said, get all these folk out of my office. I invited you to preach. He said, well, don't you travel with people? I said, yeah, my wife. I said, you don't, you don't need all that. And sometimes we start thinking of a big inflated view of who we are. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not as important as you think you are. Go ahead and tell him. <laughs> Go ahead. Station identification. Go ahead and tell him. <laughs> no, but there are seeds of greatness inside of you. And Proverbs teaches us, let a man's praise be from another, not from himself. Somebody's going to praise you. Let it come from another. Point number uh, point number four, friends, you see your potential is your uh, unexposed ability. <laughs> your potential is your reserved power. Listen, your potential is your untapped capacity. Your potential is your hidden talent. Your potential is your latent power. Listen, I found this. Uh, your potential is who you could be but have not yet been. It's how God sees you, but you have not yet become that. Your potential is how far you could reach, but haven't reached. Listen, 
Practice this exercise. Everybody clear their lap. Everybody clear their lap. For just a moment. Clear your lap. Now everybody stretch. Now stretch further. Now stretch further. Put your hands down. Why didn't you stretch that far the first time? Because uh, I said stretch, I said the same word all three times. And yet I found that when I was watching hands from this vantage point, hands went higher and higher. And as I push the man in front of you, say there's more inside of you. Go ahead and push it. And see, sometimes we just get comfortable, don't we, Ray? And God is telling us, stretch a little further. Stretch a little further. Stretch a little further. And see, your potential is where you could go but have not yet gone. You see, servant leaders go a little bit further. And I put this little text in here for you. And uh, this one is in Matthew 26, 38. And here Jesus is praying in Gethsemane, the church of all nations at the base of the Mount of Olives uh, in Jerusalem or outside of Jerusalem. Is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in that church, there's a picture Christ laying on a rock praying. The sisters in that church will not permit any talking in that church. It's a place of prayer. It's a place of gathering. And when Jesus was in that place between his garden, the last supper, the garden, and then his subsequent betrayal and then crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection and ascension, we find this little text written. Matthew 26, 38, he says, and he told them, my soul is crushed with grief. I'm reading New Living Translation now. To the point of death. It says, stay here and keep watching me. And he went, notice this statement, a little further. And bowed his face to the ground, praying. My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be cast away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them asleep. And Jesus said to Peter, could you not watch with me even one hour? Then he says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation." For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. How was Jesus able to say, not my will, but thine be done? I think verse 39 that I put in bold print helps us because it says, and he went a little further. I believe that some men never tap into all of the potential that is inside of them because they never go a little further. I believe that God is calling us to go a little bit further in our prayer. God is calling us to go a little bit further in our study. You see, the release of your potential must go a little further and stretch 
and go off the map. And friends, there was a time where folks thought that the world was flat and the world was very limited. And then some people called explorers got on ship and they said, what would it be like to go off the map? At that day, they thought that if you went off the map, you would fall into the abyss. But somebody went off the map and found out that the world was not flat. It was a spear and that there were other nations to be discovered, that there were other nations to be explored because somebody went off the map. Sometimes you and I need to invade another network. We need to hang out with some different kind of people. I started this last year going into forums that were public forums for the public. And I, when I heard it was a public forum, I'd go, but I was sitting among people that I normally wouldn't sit among. I went to a forum for the LGBTQIA community. I just went in there and just sat. One lady looked down the road. She said, aren't you a minister? And I said, yes. She said, what you doing in here? I said, I came in here to see what y'all talking about. <laughs> I went into a business forum and when they asked everyone to stand up and, add, and uh, note the business that they represented, I said, I'm Lafayette Scales from Raymond Christian Center. I said, I run a nonprofit business. <laughs> I, I saw one guy lean over and say, isn't he the pastor of a church? But I wanted to see what those business people was talking about up in there because they was talking some real high level stuff. I went into a developer's business, John, because these guys were doing city mapping on how the city was going to be developed. And I have property in the city. I have a house in the city, a church in the city. We own 23 acres that are undeveloped. And I went in there and they said, Scale, when did you become a developer? I said, I got property to develop. I started exploring some new arenas. Friends, if you want to move into greatness, sometimes you need to break into some new networks. Go some places where you're not the smartest guy in the room. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In fact, if you're the smartest guy at the table, you might be at the wrong table. I always like to hang around people that know more than I do, have more than I do, have experienced more than I do. Because they stretch me to grow and to move to greatness. They can adjust our thinking. So develop some new networks. Jesus went a little further. Now listen to me in our last point. As I bring this to a close, I'm going to throw a question at you. A couple of questions for your table talk in the last few minutes. It says, listen, listen, not only go off the map, but push your spirit. Rule your mind. And dominate your flesh. When I go into some of these forums and I don't sometimes even know the language that they're talking. But I sure I'm writing down words. And when I'm writing down words, I'm writing them down to take them back home and explore them. And friends, you and I need to understand that you and I need to push our spirits to be bold enough to enter into different spaces. You and I need to rule our mind. <clears throat> so that we don't say something dumb in those spaces. And then you and I need to dominate our flesh because the flesh will always want us to be comfortable. And friends, you and I need to understand that that's how you and I go off the map. 
one of the problems that we have with cultural conditioning is that many of us went through school and when we went through uh, kindergarten and first grade, one of the first things that they did with us is they gave us these big pictures and they gave you that big crayon. Y'all remember that? And they taught you how to color. And what was one of the first rules of coloring a picture? Stay inside the lines. And with our cultural conditioning, we grow up as men and many times wonder if what God has for you is outside the lines. And yet I'm still in first grade trying to stay inside the lines. It's called cultural conditioning. The challenge that I find when I walk by faith is that faith will sometimes take me outside the lines. And it will cause me to explore some places where others maybe have dared not travel. And friends, therefore, I have to learn how to push my spirit, rule my mind, and also dominate my flesh. Listen, look for more, pray for more, pursue more, see more, and do more. Unless you and I reach for higher and go further and see more and grasp for something more than you now know, you will never discover your full potential. See, you were created in the image of God and in his likeness. I put down Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and everything that exists. God pulled it out of himself. For God spoke it and it was so. And if he pulled everything out of himself and I am created in his image and there's something that needs to be pulled out of me for this generation. Before there was a beginning, there was God. And before there was creation, there was a creator. And before anything was, there was God and everything that exists came from God question I raise to you men as I close and I want you to explore at your table today is what is the hidden resource inside of you that the world needs now? What's the hidden resource inside of you that the world needs now? And I want you to explore this second question at your table for a few minutes before I pray and close. What is the great thing you dream about but have not yet done? Turn to the men at your table now. We're going to take five minutes You're going to explore those two questions. What is the hidden resource inside of you? It's at the bottom of your notes that the world needs now. And what is the great thing you dream about that you have not yet done? I want you men to continue to internalize and have conversation over this day about what is the hidden resource inside of you that the world needs now. And what is a great thing that you dream about that you have not yet done? And I want you to move in the greatness. Lift up a pan and say this after me. Father, today, today, I commit commit to begin to explore explore the potential within inside of me. My untapped ability. My unused strength. My unused success. I know there's more. I choose to stretch. Now go ahead and stretch, man. Go ahead. Stretch. Oh, look at y'all back here in the back. Okay, good. Put them down. I want you to move into greatness this morning. I'll take three or four takeaways. Tell me, what do you take away from this talk this morning? What do you take away? What's your takeaway? Somebody raise your hand. Get busy. That's his takeaway. 
What do you take away back there? Move forward. What do you take away? Bring it. What do you take away? Strategic. What do you take away? There's more inside of us than we think there is. What's your takeaway? Stretch. What's your takeaway? Put fear away. What's your takeaway? Invest in new networks. What's your takeaway? Engage in new networks. What's your takeaway? Go outside the lines. What's your takeaway? Challenge the challenge inside yourself. Sir, what's your takeaway? Speak a little more word. What's your takeaway, sir? More passion. More passion. What's your takeaway? Get comfortable being uncomfortable. That sounds like the name of a book. Okay. What's your takeaway? Step outside the lines. Two more, then we stop. What's your takeaway? Roll up your sleeve, get ready to serve. And finally, be bold. Let's give the Lord a big praise. <laughs>